Hello, College of Charleston basketball fans. Welcome back to another episode of the Holy City Hoops podcast, March Madness edition, where today we will sadly be wrapping up the 2022-2023 CFC basketball season, a season that we are going to remember for a very long time. Our pal Everett German will be joining momentarily to help recap Charleston's final game of the season against San Diego State University. A game that came down to the wire, but unfortunately just didn't go Charleston's way. Still, lots of positives to discuss about that game and about the season in general, which we'll touch on closer to the end of the episode. We'll also preview what should be a big offseason for the Cougars this summer. Up first, though, a few important updates. Number one, Jarrell Brantley, back in the NBA. So for those who haven't been following Jarrell Brantley, One of the all-time great players at CFC just wrapped up a successful season in the National Basketball League that is in Australia, where he helped the New Zealand Breakers make it all the way to the NBL Finals. He is now back with a familiar team, the team that drafted him, that being the Utah Jazz. So congrats to Jarrell on returning stateside and jumping right back into the NBA. Update number two. Hoops Against Homelessness, a very cool local organization providing safety and services to the area's homeless population. The folks behind it are big-time Charleston basketball fans, friends of the program. They had a big event this past weekend. Check them out on Instagram or visit their website. Donate if you can to a great cause. Help our buddy Wade out. Once again, that is Hoops Against Homelessness. Third update is a personal update. We don't do a lot of these on the show, but I have a new job. No, Holy City Hoops is not my full-time gig, but this is something I'm very excited about. I have joined Monumental Sports as a Senior Director of Digital Marketing. For those of you who don't know, Monumental Sports is the company up here in D.C. that owns the Washington Wizards, the Washington Capitals, the Washington Mystics, the G League's Capital City Go-Go, and several other sports and entertainment properties. And my role is going to be to promote our basketball teams. So basketball is now going to be my full-time job. Uh, It's a great position. I'm super stoked about it. I started recently. So before we start the show, I just wanted to say up front, the views expressed herein are my own. They have not been reviewed, approved, or endorsed by Monumental Sports or any of its affiliated teams or entities, just so we're clear. Okay. One last thing before we get to Everett, I wanted to mention it up top. Thank you so much to everyone who has listened and followed us all year or for any amount of time prior to that. This was a banner year for Holy City Hoops. It has been so much fun to see this little community of Cougar fans grow and build. But this will probably be the last episode of the year. So thank you sincerely for listening and making us part of your weekly routine. I really do appreciate it. All right, enough of this sappy stuff. Let's bring in Ever German and get to today's episode. Here to put a bow on the 2022-2023 Cougar basketball season, I could think of nobody better than the voice of the Cougars himself, Mr. Everett German. Ev, before we get to the game itself, how is Orlando? How are you doing? Uh, Orlando was a blast. You know, uh, unfortunately, I wished we were able to kind of stay through the entire weekend, but overall, just... You know, it's March Madness. It's the big dance. And, you know, for our guys to be on the big stage and to, you know, not play their best, but still have an opportunity to come up with a win against a very good San Diego, uh, San Diego State team. Uh, and it was a blast. And for me personally, I think the highlight, in addition to obviously calling it, was 
being able to meet and, and get my picture taken with Kevin Harlan, who's, you know, one of my um, kind of broadcast idols, him and, and Gus Johnson. So uh, it was good. It was good. I just wish we'd went, you know, 2-0 and instead of 0-1. Uh, <laughs> yeah, wish, wish we had stayed a little bit longer, but uh, we'll get to the game itself. The Cougar crowd from the TV broadcast sounded great. I wish I could have been down there, but you could hear the C-O-U-G-A-R-S chant. You could hear them definitely getting loud when Charleston started making a run toward the end there. Um, so it seemed like a, a great atmosphere from how it was portrayed on the broadcast. Uh, it really was, Tommy. I mean, just the amount of Cougar fans that were you know, there at the Amway Center, uh, all over the, you know, just the city of Orlando, uh, hands down, you know, probably, I would say probably only behind Tennessee. It seemed like Charleston had the most, uh, you know, fans there. Um, really that whole first session, the Furman-Virginia game was just unbelievable. Yeah, the arena was of, buzzing you know, by the time our game started. Yeah, I mean, it was crazy, just the – the roar when, you know, uh, I think it's JPP gets hit that that shot, then to carry over to ours. Uh, our city was definitely well resent, uh, represented. Uh, they traveled well. And, you know, the scarier part is just to think, Tommy, had we been able to find a way to upset or let's just say beat San Diego State, the crowd, the crowd on Saturday would have been, um, let's just say, electric because I know – there were, you know, hundreds, maybe even thousands that were planning on coming down on Saturday. Yep. Uh, should Charleston advance. So great showing for Charleston. Didn't disappoint. Uh, the six was definitely there uh, at the Amway Center in Orlando. Nice. And yeah, I'm glad you mentioned just kind of like the atmosphere at the NCAA tournament. We had to wait a long time last go around. We had to wait 20 years to get back there in 2018. This time only a five-year layover, but still it is so sweet to just get back there, get the national media attention. I talked about that after the CAA tournament. I was just so looking forward to guys like Bolin and Coach Kelsey and the other seniors on our team to get that national spotlight, and they really got it. Like Clark Kellogg was gushing about the team. You didn't get to hear Stan Van Gundy because you were calling the game, but he was like just enamored with Jalen Scott's defense. He was like, you know, no matter what level of basketball you coach, you need to show this Jalen Scott defensive film to your players because he's just putting on that much of a clinic. So, and like just the guys getting their stories told and getting to sit on the podium is just is so awesome. So, and it was cool, Tommy, because I actually got a chance to you know speak with Coach Van Gundy as well after the game, and um, you know we mentioned he was walking by and said, "Hey, Coach, you you know you probably feel like you're at home since he coached in that arena." He goes, absolutely. I was, you know, ecstatic to be able to get this assignment. Didn't really have to travel because I believe he still lives in Orlando. And then it dawned on me. I'm like, coach, didn't you coach Anthony Johnson? He was yeah. like, absolutely. One of my favorite, you know, players of all time. And I said, yeah, because Anthony was actually at the game. And he was like, yeah, I'm surprised he didn't, you know, I didn't hear from him. He probably figured I was busy because normally, you know, they still text and have a, um, you know, a great relationship. So, yeah, I would, I would think, you know, the Charleston story, uh, somewhat of that underdog. We've been in the limelight really you know, all year because of the win streak and being in the top 25. Um, as I often say, you know, you can't pay for that type of marketing, you know, Tommy, that Charleston got on the national scene. And the, again, the scarier part is had we been able to advance to Saturday, that was the only member, that was the first game of the day. That was the only game on. Um, they didn't have to share, you know, with three other uh, games going on 
So if you can just imagine, oh my goodness, if it was Charleston against Furman, the Palmetto State showdown, the, you know, hopefully they would have been able to pull footage from, you know, last year's game in Greenville when we got cheated. I don't know if you remember that one, Tommy. Remember that? Oh, I remember it well. I remember it very uh, well. Demetrius Underwood got shoved in the back. Then they yep. bank in a shot to go to overtime, and we end up losing. Um, and, of course, Jalen Slauson being from Charleston. Just the storylines, it would have been awesome. So, uh, but, yeah, just all in all, uh, just a great a great time to be a Cougar. Well, now that San Diego State's officially in the Sweet 16, I think it makes our game that much more impressive that, you know, Furman got blown out, and Charleston stuck with the San Diego State team that won the Mountain West, has been to the tournament multiple times, and it was a game until the final two minutes. So let's just get right into it. Uh, final score, San Diego State 63, Charleston 57. I think first and foremost, as expected, the San Diego State Aztec team is big. They're physical. They play smothering defense. It's a good start for the Cougars, actually. San Diego State opens with two dunks, but... Uh, the Cougars opened up with that bowl and post up where he scores the rain Smith four point play. I think they forced five Aztec turnovers in the first, like, you know, five minutes had the momentum, you know, Berzovich was getting some buckets and Charleston, I think went up as much as seven in the early going. So those first couple yeah. minutes, how were you feeling? Yeah, like 27, 20, but I'm not mistaken. And I kind of felt that was our opportunity to really pull away because if you remember San Diego state went on that long scoring drought where, uh, you know, they couldn't score. And it seemed to be just a game of droughts. We kind of took turns going through our, our our phases. But early on, yeah, you could feel um, it seemed like Charleston really had to work hard, which is expected against the San Diego State team. And, you know, being sitting courtside, I can tell you, they I mean, they were not giving Rain Smith like an inch um, to actually let him get a shot off. And you really have to credit their defense because they – you know, they just took away uh, what we do, you know, best. And and they respected Charleston, you could tell. But in that first half, yeah, I just thought we had, like, a lot of missed opportunities where we really could have pulled away and separated ourselves. And because San Diego State is a team that doesn't necessarily score it well, um, other than this past weekend against Furman, um, you know, you kind of figured if we could get a deep, 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 or a big lead, I should say, and kind of get them in a deep hole, it would be very hard for them to get out of it. I think they only hit, what, four three-pointers. We hit five. So I was feeling good, you know, um, probably up until about that, I don't know, what, eight-minute mark of that first half when they went on their run. And then we just kind of went cold right there going into the locker room. But, again, just missed opportunities. And I don't know about you, Tommy, but that's probably the most frustrating part. Is It's one thing if a team just beats you. Like, you know what, they just flat out – just beat us but to know that we could have played better we've seen this team play better all season long and then unfortunately not to have one of their better games you know there on the big stage uh, I guess that's more the frustrating disappointing part um the kind of because that that game was not uh indicative of how solid of a team we have yeah I think we all knew the Cougars had to shoot at least their average from three in this game to to make it keep it closer to spring the upset I thought where you saw the physicality from San Diego State the most was on some of Charleston's one-on-one -on -one kind of pet plays. Like the first of all, they blocked a Rain Smith three, which never happens with how how fast his release is. So like that was like a eye-opening play to me. But like the the Pat Robinson and Ben Burnham post-ups, you know that usually manufacture points off the bench. That wasn't happening versus San Diego State. Same with like the Dalton Bolin post-ups. 
Ryan Larson wasn't able to get space on like those step back threes. So, you know, credit to them. I mean, you really saw why they are one of the best defensive teams in the country. But yeah, it did feel like some of the stuff that always seems to work for Charleston that could have contributed to maintaining or building on that lead just wasn't happening in this one. So and the physicality, I mean, it's been a while, Tommy, since I kind of feel like I don't want to say we got bullied, but we definitely it's the UNC got, game. Yeah, I mean, it was obvious. I mean, there were a couple, I think Arup and, and uh, Ladita, the uh, big post player, like literally was just taking balls away from, you know, some Cougars. There were a couple of times where they would get on the inside of us. We weren't able to block them out for, you know, whatever reason. And they just seemed to be more physical and, and more commanding um, of the paint. If I remember correctly, I think we were maybe negative eight, negative 10, somewhere around that in terms of on the glass um, in the first half. And their offensive rebounding as well, I thought was you know, just just very powerful. It looked kind of looked like what we normally do to other teams is what was getting yeah. done, you know, to us. And unfortunately, that's one of the negatives when you, you know, not as big as they were, um, you know, kind of across the board. And that's just the unfortunate luck of the draw in the, the seeding, because if Charleston plays a UVA or a more finesse team like an in Indiana where they don't have that physically dominating presence, you know, maybe things go differently, but... I don't want to harp on that too much. So San Diego State, I thought, controlled the final five minutes of the half and then those first five to eight minutes of the second half. They go up as much as nine. The broadcasters were talking about how it was becoming danger territory for the Cougs. But things started to turn with about like 12 minutes left in the second half. We get the Raekwon Horton steal, which was a great play. Bolin hits a three. Then Horton hits a three. Uh... San Diego State was hitting some free throws, you know, kind of in between those. And then Jalen Scott, who we'll touch on, I thought he had probably his best game of the season in this one on both ends of the court. He hits back-to-back tough layups. I think that got it within a possession, maybe like some free throws later. I thought Charleston's interior defense was a lot better. Their rebounding was a lot better as they started to climb back into this thing. So just they, they showed some fight to, to eventually get this tied up on the Ante Berzovic steal and, and layup going the other way. So that's when I heard the, the Charleston crowd the most. Yeah, I mean, you knew Charleston was not going to go away without a fight. I mean, that's just not the ammo of this team. And it's crazy. It seems like we normally play um, our best or harder because we always play hard is when we have our backs against the wall. I mean, even think back to the CAA tournament and overcoming some deficits and never you know, just mailing it in. So you just knew it was a matter of time because San Diego State is a team that doesn't necessarily shoot it that well. So it's not like they were going to pull away, you know, with their offensive efficiency. If we could just get a couple of stops, get a couple of stops, and then have productive possessions on the offensive end that we could chip away, and that's exactly what we, you know, did. It just seems, though, however, sometimes, Tommy, and not just Charleston, just teams in general, when you kind of have that big hole or, or deficit, you have to work so hard to kind of get back into the game. And then once you get there, you kind of, you kind of, you don't have the legs or the the willpower anymore because you exerted all of that, you know, kind of climbing back in. But yeah, I, I think it's safe to say and all the San Diego state fans I was, you know, talking to as we were, uh, you know, leaving and even back in the media room, just so complimentary of Charleston, just how hard, they just competed, you know, and at the end of the day, that's all you can ask for is to leave it all on the floor, uh, give it your best, uh, play with intensity and, and effort. And that's what the kids did. It's just unfortunately, you know, we just we came up, you know, a little short. 
Yeah, and that's a recurring theme throughout March Madness is like the difference between winning and losing really does come down to a couple plays. It's like such on the edge of a razor blade of like how things can fall. And I know guys are wishing they had some of those shots back. You know, the, the Ryan Larson three when the game's tied with like 2.30 to go or whatever. That bricks. Um, Ante Berzovich missed a layup that he's hit probably at least 100 times this season. Jalen Scott missed some free throws, but it's it's hard to criticize those three guys because they were three of the best players on the court and and got Charleston in that position to win. Um, yeah. So it's just just unfortunate. No criticism at all because as you just said, Tommy, without those guys, we're not even in Orlando. You know, yeah. and, and so that's the that was what our thirty what thirty fifth game you know of the season and, and practices and the whole nine yards and it's a grind. I mean. That's why in March, you know, the teams that are maybe a little fresher or whatever it may be that kind of have their legs, you know, have a tendency to do a little better. But everybody has played, you know, a lot of games. Um, as I always say, our guys aren't out there trying to, you know, miss on purpose. Um, it's just one of those situations where the shots just don't fall. And you kind of wish it had on this day um, because when you just, again, you just kind of look ahead of what was what was ahead? I mean, and I think you'll agree to Tommy. I mean, this was the absolute perfect situation for, you know, Charleston to be able to, you know, make it to the Sweet 16 and and have to face, you know, Alabama, not dismissing, you know, Furman at all, because that would have been a, a tough game as well. But I just kind of think that, you know, some of the things that we have been doing or that we did all season long that didn't work against San Diego State, if we could have outscored them by one point, or more, those things would have worked against, you know, Furman. And right now you and I could possibly be having a different conversation talking about, you know, getting ready for the athletic punch from Alabama there in, uh, in Louisville. Sounds a lot like the conversation we had in 2018, because I think we were all feeling good about the potential Clemson matchup in that next round. You know, if you, if you do get past Auburn and we were talking before the broadcast, the brutal irony both times around is that it came down to a three point shooting foul. So Charleston plays tough, plays more competitively than most CAA teams the last 10 years have. It's one possession game late in both those games. In 2018, it's an uncalled foul on Grant Riller's three-point attempt. This time around, 25 seconds to go. Uh, CFC's down three. One second left on the shot clock. Jalen Scott gets called for, I think, being in the restricted landing space uh, of a SDSU player. The broadcasters disagreed with the call for the most part. I think even like the rules analyst didn't love the call, especially in that situation. But that's, uh, again, just kind of how the cards fall. And uh, that was all she wrote after that. Yeah. And, and you obviously being at home had a better view than I did. I was across from our bench. So it was to my right, down on the end. Didn't look like a foul on my end, but I did have, you know, a ton of people texting and saying the broadcasters, uh, you know, Kevin Harlan and and Dan Bonner and, and Coach Van Gundy saying that, yeah, it was just not the the best call. It is, like you said, ironic that, and I think I even said it on the broadcast, that once again, it comes down to a call on a three-point shot, yep. one that we didn't get, and this one, unfortunately, uh, they did blow the whistle. Yep. Well, again, I mean, no faulting the Cougs. What a game what effort shown by that team and, and the coaching staff to, to draw up the right plays down the stretch, get Charleston in a position to win. And uh, San Diego state was just one or two baskets better. Um, and that's it. But 
it doesn't diminish anything that the team did this season. Now that things are officially over, we can finally do a proper look back on the year. Obviously a year that set records in terms of wins. Um, but I just wanted to ask you first, I mean, you were at every game as well. When you look back on the 2022-2023 season, what are you going to immediately remember? Just the streak. Yeah. Um, you know, which one? starting There's the season two. 101 and then to win 20 in a row. Yeah, which one? To win 20 games in a row, being the top 25. Um, and then, of course, end the year winning 10 in a row before, you know, falling there uh, against San Diego State. So just the – just the I don't even want to say it's pressure because it never really – felt like pressure our guys just handled business they just did what they had to do and it's you know like i said it's not like we were winning w i call them w games those are your you know d2 d3 lesser games i mean we're talking you know beating davidson and beating colorado state and beating you know virginia tech and the win the win at towson and you know beating delaware and just you know all of the different types of ways that we won that 20 game win streak was just you know, really special. And then for the guys to, to answer the call when they had a little tough two-game losing streak, you know, the one against Hofstra and then the, again, one we just gave away for the second year in a row at Drexel, um, but to just be able to bounce back and, and kind of regroup, gather themselves. Uh, it was just it was just a fun year, man, honestly. And, you know, between the the, the players, that's really what made it just special. I mean, those guys, Tommy, and I think you've had a little bit of interaction with them. Those are some of the best guys ever, you know, on the court, off the court, um, just their role in the community and seeing how they interact with these kids, you know, who all want autographs, all want pictures. These guys never say, you know, they never say no. They sign every single autograph, take every single picture. And when you just look back at, you know, just this whole season, um, in its entirety, it was just a special one. You know, you think back to the six and the sellout crowds and, you know, people just trying to get their hands on tickets. Everybody wanted to see uh, College of Charleston basketball and the ones that did definitely left uh, pleased with the effort. And, you know, if there's one moment that just really, huh, Tommy, it's, it's got to be the Baba Dunk against Towson. Yeah. I mean, that TD arena has been loud all season long, but just the way that game was going and the flow. And I, and I just remember, you know, Ryan Larson being right in front of me, getting ready to check in and for him to jump because we all saw it coming, the alley-oop from Rain to Baba. That probably is the one moment where, you know, it definitely gave you uh, gave you goosebumps. Yeah, that was in my short list of, of top moments. But even, even beyond just like individual plays or moments, the win streak was great, but I'm with you. I, for me, it's more the players and specifically the grad seniors because these guys were all kind of one-year rentals, even though Bowling got here a year earlier. But to think that these guys who were not in Charleston uniforms for most of their careers, the impact they left in Charleston is, is just crazy. So Dalton Bowling, first team all CAA, first team all leadership heart of the team you know, awards as well. Ryan Larson, third team all CAA, Charleston Classic MVP, uh, CAA Tournament Most Outstanding Player. Then you have Pat Robinson, CAA Sixth Man of the Year, Jalen Scott, CAA All Defensive Team. Like that is knocking it out of the park in the transfer portal. And that's not even mentioning Ante Berzovich, who looks like he's going to be a foundational piece for this team moving forward. But those four just like showing up and in one season really 
changing the trajectory of this this roster. That's going to be something I remember for a long time. And then this kind of overlaps with the win streak thing, but the chase for that top 25 ranking and things building over time as Charleston kept on stacking up these wins and receiving votes and then being right outside the top 25 and then the hashtag rank Charleston movement happening online and then to finally get there uh, right after New Year's, like that was, that really felt like something special. So those two things for me, more so than individual highlight plays are, are probably going to be what I remember most. And this year is one that, you know, we'll never obviously forget. You know, I we had a great run there in 2018. Like you said, we didn't, we didn't have to wait 20 years um, to get back to the big dance. And that's just kind of some of the dynamic. That 2018, 2018 team was, uh, you know, special in its way, in a different way. You know, you had the big three. And then you had, you know, just a bunch of role players where this team, it seemed like we just had 10 role players, you know, not really that one go-to guy, not that one guy that could, you know, at the end of the game, we knew balls either going to Chile or going to, you know, Brantley or going to Riller. This team was like, take your pick. It depends on the matchup, um, you know, down the stretch. It seemed to be Ante, but yeah, man, just a, just a fun year. 31 wins. There's a lot of teams in this country, Tommy, that would uh, definitely change places with Charleston. You know what else is different about 2018 is the weight of expectations. Because 2018, going into the 2017-18 year, we knew that that was the window with Cheely, Brantley, and Riller all being there at the same time. And it's like, if it's going to happen, if we're going to end this 20-year tournament-less streak, it's got to happen this year. And then I remember, like, just being on pins and needles every game. They lose a game in, like, the Alaska shootout, which is like, okay, now the at-large conversation's gone. And then you're, like, down to Northeastern early in the championship game. And I just remember all season having, like, heart palpitations. Whereas this year, <laughs> the expectations were a little bit lower, and that's a lot more fun as a fan to have to have the low expectations and exceed them. And then you're just like, you're playing with house money, and then you, I think you can enjoy things a little bit more. And then, you know, after the Drexel game and the bubble kind of popped, then you're on pins and needles again, but... Um, or so we thought yeah. the bubble had popped. Yeah. Then you go on that 10-game win streak, and now that's the question with the committee would the committee leave a 31 I Charleston team out of the tournament? Yeah. I, I'm with you. I mean, as crazy as it sounds that, yeah, I think somehow, some way, you know, they would have, have eliminated us yeah. um, or left us out of the tournament. So that was always the, the question and talking about pressure going into that CAA tournament, knowing that, you know, you had to at least, you know, get two wins Does that gets you to 30 wins, no 30 win team at never been left out of the tournament so it had a different type of pressure but charleston as they did all season long just answered the bell and able to you know get the get the win and um and it wasn't easy in that tournament i mean the stony brook game was you know obviously our easiest task but you know i have to go through towson and then your your rival untw who you had never beaten in the caa tournament had lost them in what two caa championship games and they ended the season last year yeah, I mean, that was a, a lot of pressure, but the guys were you know, just able to overcome it all. Yeah, and a couple moments from the CAA tournament run that I'm going to remember. Rain Smith going nuclear versus Towson. Jalen Scott blocking Timberlake mm -hmm. at the end of the game. Uh, and then at U that UNCW game, I mentioned it a couple weeks ago, the Berzovich leaner with one, one second on the shot clock is an all-time College of Charleston made basket. Um I didn't even mention like the UNCW game where Jalen Scott blocked Shaikim Phillips at the buzzer. 
or the Pat Robinson game winner versus Virginia Tech, which was probably my favorite play of the season. 20, 30, 40 point wins over CAA teams, like just so many, so many fun memories from this year. Pat Robinson going nuclear against Hampton yeah. Uh, yeah. in that first half where he just couldn't, 30. Uh, you know, couldn't miss. And the the numerous, you know, drives to the left, step back, nail in the coffin shots by, you know, Ryan Larson yep. uh, as well. Just, you know, his play. And it seemed like everybody in that top, you know, non-rotation, um, you know, had their moments. I mean, let's not forget about Benny Buckets. What he did against, you know, Northeastern. That was another big moment where, you know, the the game at Charleston, where he had blocked the shot, went down. Is that against Northeastern? Who was that? Against? Delaware. Yeah, Delaware, Delaware. Now another game where we had to kind of come yeah. back uh and fight back, kind of pulled away. So just so many great moments for this team. And honestly, I can't wait to see the the highlight video that Tom's gonna yeah. put together because he has a lot of material. Uh, to select from yeah yeah everybody had one at least one special game even going back to the non-conference Raekwon Horton bailed us out of that Presbyterian game where he had like 14 Mm -hmm. or 16 points I thought he was great I thought he was great against San Diego State as well like great to see him kind of show up for for that game yeah I mean we could go on and on about highlights from the season but the offseason is officially here we can kind of breathe and, and take a sigh of relief but now in this new era of college basketball, it's it's college basketball free agency. It's portal season. And things have already started to kind of bubble up and news coming out about guys from the CAA and other leagues looking for, for opportunities. Um, so just to preview the offseason for the Cougars, as of right now, they have one scholarship available because they're losing four seniors. The ones I mentioned earlier, Dalton Bolin, Jalen Scott, Ryan Larson, and Pat Robinson. They bring in a very highly regarded three-person freshman class right now in James Scott, who's a big, Isaiah Coleman, who's a guard, and Meyer Wall, who's uh, a wing. We also know that they're going to be getting much younger and much less experienced because there's three redshirt freshmen who are going to be eligible next season. We didn't see it all this year in Evan Kilminster, Jordan Crawford, and Khalil London. Uh, all three are guards. So I guess my first question is, one roster spot available as of right now maybe by the time this podcast comes out we'll, we'll hear other things but one spot available right now how do you want to see that filled if it were me i would think just because it's the unknown and we saw this year how important a a veteran point guard is that would be it now, i know uh killy uh, evan kilminster is a point guard um and so that but he has no game experience. So I would think if you can get a grad transfer point guard to go along, you know, with him, that would probably uh, just serve you well. So that way he can learn. Obviously he went against Ryan Larson, you know, all, uh, all season. So uh, we'll see how that plays out or maybe another big with a little more girth. That's the one thing that I feel like we could have used against San Diego state. So I would say point guard or big if I were making the call. It's funny you mentioned those two because I, I've been going back and forth. Beginning of the season, I was like, for sure, fifth-year grad transfer point guard. We saw it with Demetrius Underwood. We saw it with Ryan Larson. That's what Kelsey needs to kind of run his system. Then I was leaning more big man, especially during the San Diego State game where it seemed like Berzovich, Burnham, and Fi were all kind of getting bullied by 
by bigger body dudes. So I was thinking more, someone more in the mold of like the Charles Lampton kind of build. But then like lately the past day or two or since that San Diego State game ended just because of the impact this guy had, we kind of need a Jalen Scott replacement because I think it is such a luxury to stick a guy like that, glue him to the other team's best player and he can lock him down. I think Raekwon Horton's the one who's probably going to step into that role, but it was a luxury all season to have at least one of those guys on the court at all times. And so maybe maybe a 3 and D type wing would, would be how I fill that position now because you have all these, you have Kilminster and, and some other PGs. You have James Scott, who's a big, and you're not really losing another big. So maybe 3 and D wing for me, but I'm with any type of those three kind of personas would probably fit on this right. team. And James obviously has the height and the length, just the girth is where he kind of, yep. you know, he'll, he'll get with Eli Boyd and Eli will definitely add some, you know, pounds to him. I'm just thinking if you can get like a true bruiser, um, maybe it allows you to move, you know, Ante to the four and make him like a, a stretch four or something of that nature. So it'll be interesting, but whatever it is, that coaching staff of, you know, PK and Thomas Carr and, and Chloe, uh, and Cass, I know they'll come up with a, a great fit uh, for Charleston. Absolutely. And then even more so than on-court chemistry, I think, is the off-court stuff. You mentioned how solid of dudes, personality-wise, this outgoing senior class is. And you got to maintain that. So we're going to have a deep junior class next year with Rain, Raekwon, Benny, Baba, and Ante. But like I mentioned, this team's going to be a lot younger a lot less experienced with basically a six-man freshman class at least so how do you maintain kind of the standard that this team has set how do you get those these newer guys to fully buy in and be okay maybe not being the star here is going to be maybe the toughest task for for that coaching staff i think going into next year whoever comes in we know they'll be abc they'll be all about academics basketball and character Coach is really strict about that, and I don't think he will sway for the sake of a good basketball player. So whoever it is, we'll get a good basketball player, but also a good guy uh, off the court as well. Well, Ev, I mean, it's been a long season, but I think we're we're just about ready to wrap it up. Is there anything else you wanted to touch on? Yeah, no, like I said, man, just a great year. Thank you for always, you know, allowing me to come on. I can say the same for Danny as well. We appreciate you. All that you do, you know, for CSC basketball, all the fans out there that, you know, tune in to us uh, on the broadcast, whether it be on Flow Sports or, you know, obviously the Varsity Network app. So just thank you, man. Keep up the good work. And I don't think this is the end. This is just the beginning. Um, I think now we're at a place where, you know, we don't have to rebuild. We just reload and uh, can't wait to see what the, the future holds for Cougar basketball. I think that's a great way to put it. Yeah, the bar has been raised. And now there's a, a new standard to, to be shooting for. So, Ev, thanks for rolling through, man. Go Cougs, and we'll uh, let you enjoy your offseason. Sounds good, Tommy. You have a good one.